can you please teach me how to only ever appear on this podcast when Manchester United either win or do a good performance or shockingly both this is a skill I hate it <laughs> it's quite easy really just when when they don't play well just say you're busy really annoying Paul I'm not gonna lie anyway <laughs> welcome to this week's Red Voices everyone pleasure to have you with us you've got you and Leonard and Paul Gunning to go through this week's Manchester United action including a rather drab 1-0 victory over West Brom and a not very drab 4-1 victory over Istanbul Basaksa here in the Champions League which is just not long finished Paul how are we um very well thank you Ian all the better for seeing United ease the victory in the Champions League against uh you know top opposition uh, with right. barely with barely a defensive frailty to be seen. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Hmm. That statement was doing a lot of heavy lifting there, Paul. <laughs> you know me, mate. I'm the optimist. This is true. This is true. All right, well, speaking of optimism, um, return from international duty. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I actually quite enjoyed that last international break. I mean, it helps that Wales are now in the top tier of the Nations League, certifying our status as a bona fide world-class international side. Absolutely. I'm, very, I'm genuinely really happy for you, mate. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so <laughs> condescending. But still, yes, uh, coming back to action at Old Trafford, a stadium that we have won once at all season long in that 5-0 victory over RB Leipzig earlier on the Champions League competition. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I don't really necessarily know what I expected out of the West Brom game. I think pretty much that, you know, we've been so drab and crap mm. at home so far this season and looked so overwhelmed even though we're not playing in front of anyone. It's like there's this bad vibes when we ever replay at home so far this season. So perhaps a pretty disjointed, low ebb, low att- attacking quality performance was pretty much just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed to be safety first, didn't it? Um, mm. From from Ole Solskjaer, two defensive midfielders, and like you say, just disjointed. I mean, we we did create some chances, but and you know their keeper played pretty well, uh, Johnson, but it, it was it was pretty poor. It was un, uninspiring. We just did enough. And West Brom had some decent chances of their own. For, to, I, I thought, I, and I say this a lot. I thought the reaction to it was a bit over the top. People's memories of of um, the football under Ferguson seems to be kind of like as if it was just wiping teams out and blowing them away week after week after week. It wasn't like that, you know. There were long periods under Fergie where we 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 play similarly to how we did against West Brom, just do enough, get the result. And I'm not comparing this team to to Fergie's teams, obviously, but some you know, it was just the, the most important thing at the weekend was to get the win, get the three points. Stay in contention. Yeah. However, however we did that, it doesn't really matter. West Brom probably came to Old Trafford with the tails up a little bit because their record against us at Old Trafford recently has been very good. And I know that's all history, but I think it does play, play a part. And I think what you said about the empty stadium and United looking overwhelmed, I think um, you know there, there must be some players who really, really are missing the fans. And Old Trafford's a big stadium, and. You know, it it must feel a bit weird, a bit echoey. You know, just this huge sort of chamber with nothing in it. Um, mm. You know, it sounds weird on the on the TV, and and oh, I just miss going. You, I miss going so much. Yeah, I mean, you'll be feeling that sting a lot more than I will with your season ticket, with your with your dad and your brother. But at the same mm. time, it's just. The longer this goes on, the more flat football feels. It does, um, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
I know we're not that far away. I know why this is happening, and I'm not trying to say that we should be pushing fans back into stadiums for the sake of it because that's obviously be boneheaded, stupid. But yeah, you know, as a sidestep, there's no way to just overstate just how watching football is just sanitized when there's just no people there to enjoy it and there's no yeah. way to react and bounce off the crowd and that's not to say it's a completely soulless experience but especially for United at Old Trafford the way in which we've just crumpled in so many games at home this season and I do think a large part of it is just that the the team just haven't got the crowd to rely on I'm not suggesting yeah. that our performances would have improved exponentially as a result of having Old Trafford full but they definitely would have had an effect at this stage earlier on in the season because, yeah. you know, Old Trafford, when it's in the right mood, can get that team over the line. And especially given the teams, the problems that we've had with fitness over the last couple of months, I'd say that could have had a big change, especially like say, I mean, with the way we started the season. Yeah, and if, it, if it's flat for us watching on TV, it feels flat, it sounds flat, then it's, it's bound to be flat for the players. And I know all, all players in all teams are obviously in the same boat, but you know it must have an effect on them, and and particularly on on sort of some of the bigger name players. I mean, it just seems such a shame that Cavani hasn't had like a big reception. Um, you know, he's he's such a sort of fantastic player of the last decade or so, and he's running out in Old Trafford and or you know coming on as a sub at Old Trafford, and there's no one there to see it. It's it's just all a bit crap. Yeah, I mean to be fair, the rest of the game was pretty crap, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that was awful. Yeah, there were, there were some good moments of interplay. You know, Martial had a couple of half decent opportunities and then going into the second half, I think it was just not too surprising that United were struggling against a, a deep-line defence, was it? And mm. West Brom did that pretty well and offered a couple of you know, flashes of danger on the break themselves. And again, good use of VAR for this game was Conor Gallagher's penalty being rescinded when it was clear <laughs> on replays. And in some ways, you know, watching it live, it seemed like Fernandez got the ball. But yeah, at least the decision was rightly overturned. And then United, <laughs> not long after that, get their own penalty. Tick took twice, but there we go. Um, Bruno gets yeah. a little bit lucky there because the first penalty was not well struck. And obviously, with the way that the rules are being played at the minute, if you're off your line by <laughs> any sort of amount, that's going to get pulled back. And Sam Johnston yeah. uh, somewhat rightly punished for that. And then he gets the follow-up and rightly barely celebrates because <laughs> it didn't feel like much of a celebration at that stage. No. Uh, I mean, United really could have made that a little bit more comfortable. But again, I think sometimes with the way that the fixture list is piling up so many of these players at least a good over half of them who started that game on Saturday were playing international football and in some ways because United are struggling so much for fluency and consistency in some ways I don't necessarily mind where the victories come from or how they arrive just that they happen and it was by no means our most fluid uh, performance on Sunday sorry Saturday but you know, it's our first win at Old Trafford in a long while, and in some ways, you've just got to take it how they come. You know, it, it there's a, there's a danger, and especially we're saying this as a podcast that meets every week to dissect and overanalyze football games played by one very specific club to overanalyze performances. Sometimes you play rubbish and you get a result, and I think that's pretty much how we can categorize that game. Yeah, and I think you know we all would have taken that prior to the game. Certainly, I would anyway. I mean, and I think Oligan Solskjaer probably would have done as well. I think he was, you know, it, like I said it, before, I think it was just safety first. Let's just not, let's win this game by hook or by crook. Um, get that sort of monkey off our backs of, you know, not having won in the league at Old Trafford for, I think it goes, stretches back to last season, doesn't it? 
Um, yeah, it does. We haven't, we haven't won at home in the league this season until that game. Yeah, so you just get get the win, and it's, it'll and it, it would have been a weight off their shoulders, I think, um, the players, you know, because the longer that goes on, even if we'd drawn that game, you know, the longer it goes on, the worse it gets, the bigger it gets, you know, and it's just this kind of stick to beat the team with, and mm. the pressure mounts more and more with it, with each game, and so yeah, just one nil. Not an inspiring performance, but got the job done. Exactly. And in in some ways, sometimes those are the games that you just need to exist in and yeah. accept and absorb as best as you possibly can. I, it didn't feel like one that needed much overanalyzing. You know, there was arguments and criticism, in some ways rightly so, about the double pivot of Fred and Matic playing that game. And it wasn't particularly fluid. And we know it's not going to be. It wasn't necessarily incisive. And it wasn't fantastic to watch. But again, it got the job done. And it set us up quite nicely for this game. Before we get to the uh, game against PSG, a couple of Manchester derbies to mention for the women's team, which were very, very enjoyable in some ways and could have even been even better. First up was the 2-2 draw in the Super League which started about as badly as any Manchester derby could go without there being more goals. United were 2-0 down within uh, 45 minutes. A very adept finish from Chloe Kelly after United had failed awfully to clear a corner. And then uh, Laura Coombs with an absolute blast from outside the box after initial uh, shot was blocked. City were all over United in the first half of this game. It was ridiculous. We seem to employ a lot of the similar tactics or the similar press that we had done against Arsenal the week prior, but it didn't fly against City. They moved the ball too quickly and were attacking us so rapidly that United just didn't have time to respond and failed to get any sort of foothold in. And United could easily have lost the game in that first half had City's finishing been a bit tighter. And it was to our credit that we actually completely turned it around. We went to more of a three in midfield, which really helped us. And we started playing a bit more direct. Kirsty Hansen came on and had a really good uh, second half. Tobin Heath scored an absolute thunderbastard of a goal. Did you see that? The way that she struck... Oh, yeah. The way she struck that. Yeah, I mean... Ooh, here's a question for you. That goal or Bruno's goal tonight? Oh, man. Um, no, I, neither I, took a touch. I, I think I'd probably go Fernandes, only because it was like the half volley and it reminded me so much of Paul Scholes. But, I mean, they were both beautiful, beautiful goals. Yeah, Superb. It's got the curl on it, man. I know, I know. Mm. I, just, I, I just don't think I can choose between them, actually. Just both stunning goals. Yeah. yeah, I mean, United needed that as well. We had a good start to the second half and came back into the game quite well. And then the second, again, quite scrappy from a corner. Uh, Kirsty Hansen uh, fires in from close range after the initial shot was blocked. Um, United could have gone on to win it. You know, we definitely had the wind in our sails and we had the pressure going into the final stages of that game. But again, I think it's a game to show how far United are, you know, how far United have come in the last sort of 12 months in particular since they arrived in the Women's Super League. And also where expectations are. And that felt that didn't feel any more true than it did in the game in the Conti Cup that we played four days later it was nil-nil which meant the United can't qualify for the knockout stages of the Cup a good decent performance and again the only reason we didn't win it was poor finishing you know Tobin Heath should have hit first time after Karen Beardsley had an absolute nightmare of an effort in goal in the second half Tobin takes an extra touch and just can't find any way of getting it into goal and then Jess Sigsworth with the last kick of the game, clean through on goal, played through by Ella Toon, who'd had a good performance after she came on in the second half. Really weak shot from her. It should have gone in. 
and then we win the penalty shootout, which is always nice to do, but slightly disappointing performance, but again, well, slightly disappointing result, but a decent performance. And again, United now come into this next month with three very winnable games against uh, Aston Villa, Reading and Bristol City. Three games that United should win, which would put them in an amazing position coming into the new year with the Women's Super League now looking so tight. Chelsea and Arsenal still thereabouts. City, you know, still in with a shout, even if it is looking quite tight between them at the minute. But regardless, fun time for the women's team. Just a shame that we've got to wait another, ooh, let's think, 10 days or so for our next match. But there we go. I think we'll manage. Right, time for a quick break. We have a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners, and it would be hugely appreciated. And we're back. Paul, right, Istanbul Basaks are here. Um, I'm going to hit you with my negatives later on. Uh, <laughs> a must-win game for United, and one that we certainly did win. We did, yeah, we did. And um, if you look at the scoreline, I mean, the scoreline doesn't really tell the full story. I was actually quite impressed with um, Bashak Shahir. <laughs> Sorry, Bashak Shahir. Um, you know, I mean, first half I thought United were, were were excellent. We started the game really well, and and it's quite rare under Ole that where United just come out of the traps. They'd obviously been told to get the game won early. He started with a very strong team, very strong attacking team, you know, just only one defensive midfielder in sight, which I think a lot of fans would have been happy with. Um, and it worked. It was great. It was, it was lovely to see. And we, we, we were moving the ball around really nicely. There was loads of movement up top. I thought Cavani looked fantastic as, a, as an out-and-out striker. His movement was brilliant. And then Van der Beek, I mean, I was sort of, I, I was kind of wondering what the fuss was about with, with Van der Beek because... You know, I think he's he's looked pretty tidy um, in previous games, but tonight he, he just looked excellent. Like really, really good, um, great vision. You know, lovely ball control, um, fantastic passing, and, and always looking to move the ball forward. And they made such a big difference. So yeah, really enjoyable. The first half in particular was a bit more fun than the second, which is fair yeah. to say. But it was the difference in approach, and I'll get to the negatives in a bit because there were a couple of things that griped me a little bit about that <laughs> performance but you see there the gigantic difference that it makes to the end result when United start quickly and put teams under pressure and don't yeah. give them time to set and it's not rocket science at all if United come out the traps and put teams under pressure then they'll get chances and with the players that we have you will expect us to score too I think it makes a big difference having a player like Van der Beek who moves the ball forward quickly because so often with Fred, with Tomane Matic, they can just be too ponderous. They, they, they get the ball in between sort of um, defence and attack and they're sort of passing it sideways one to another, you know. We saw against Everton when Tomane played the ball forward quickly and we, we, we scored from, you know, that fantastic pass against Everton and, and we scored, I think, from that. And tonight, mm. Van der Beek, just every time he got the ball, or pretty much every time he got the ball, I mean, he very rarely gives the ball away. If there's a pass on, you know, because we, we've got players who make the runs, we've got so much pace up front. We've got to be moving the ball up there quicker. Don't give the, the opposition team time to get back and settle and get into their shape. And when we do move it forward quickly, we cause all sorts of problems. So... Yeah, it, I, I know I, I can I can probably guess what some of your frustrations were tonight, but I, I thought 
like you say, you know, to, to, to see us set up like that and then to see it work so well was really encouraging and hopefully will sort of encourage um, Oli to, to maybe try that again, certainly against some of the the lesser teams, should we say, who do come to Old Trafford or, or you know, and, and, and sort of play a bit of a low block and, you know, because we do, we need to move it quicker to, like mm. we did tonight to, to break those teams down. Well, it's time and place, isn't it? We yeah. you knew full well how this game was going to go before we'd even played it in the sense that Istanbul were going to be very compact and try and hit us on the break. And that's exactly how it proved. And it meant United had to move the ball a lot quicker. It meant to be had to be more incisive. It meant we had to offer a bit more intensity if we were going to have any chance of winning it. But that was evident from the off. You know, Martial and Rashford both making great runs in the early offing that could have ended in decent chances or goals. And you saw how much difference it makes to United when we play direct and when we're encouraged to run at opposition defences and especially when we move the ball quicker there's so much more space to play with and United yeah. operate so much more ruthlessly and intent you know you've got more space to play with you move the ball quicker you're gonna have more fun and that's exactly how it proves but you know regardless I, <laughs> I don't necessarily think fortune is the right word but the way that United got that first goal Getting it so early, what, six minutes in, was absolutely magnificent in terms of giving us confidence. Nothing lucky about that, though. I mean, <laughs> Fernandez has been trying to score a goal like that ever since he arrived at the club. Yeah, I don't think he scores that 99 times out of 100, so thank God that one went in. You just don't... You, it's it's such a thing of beauty, isn't it, when you see a ball mm. struck like that. I mean, he struck it so sweetly, the, the government are going to put a chug attacks on it. It was just like... <laughs> absolutely stunning perfect like perfection and even the way yeah. it hit the net it was like right into the roof of the net keeper had no chance man I could watch well here it is here it is it was on the outside of the box his first touch <laughs> yeah curling away and going up yeah from the keeper and just on, on magnificent yeah it was so yeah. and so difficult I mean they, they were saying on BT, you know, sort of Skulls-esque and it, it really genuinely was and you know, this is the thing with, with Bruno I mean, I've seen, you know, Bruno gets some criticism and he does give the ball away uh, now and then and he can be frustrating at times but what a player he is when, when he gets it right what a player he is and it's always it always seems to be him involved he's, so, he's just involved in everything good about United really at the moment True, and it helps he's a bit of a poacher as well slash goal yeah. hanger Oh dear, Gunnar's going to want that one back. Um, I mean, again, a goal that comes as a result of a cross from our left back. It's still an alien concept to me and one that I'm struggling to wrap my head around, I've got to admit. He looks good, doesn't he? He looks like a really good signing. He's got great energy. And yeah, what a delivery. Better than Uber Eats. Yeah, I mean, coming out with the analogies all over the shop tonight. He's like (laughs) a competent... (laughs) <laughs> Marcus Rojo uh, like he's got the mad bastard like streak that? in him why would you, you do me because like it's that? you because <laughs> because friend there was a time when you literally said you wanted him in left back over Luke Shaw and I will not ever let you forget it Listen, you have like, to live with the consequences of your actions I love right? that guy I love that guy <laughs> um, I know that's fine I'm not going to stop you loving him but you need to fess up sometimes yeah, and but no, just you, face the music yeah. no fair enough absolutely yeah I think I got that one wrong um, but no, yeah, tell us, he, he looks really good, um, and it's just nice to see a, a, a left, well, any fullback, but particularly a left back, 
getting forward, getting you know, putting it's crossing. It's incredible. It's absolutely mm. incredible. And and, and, and also for for that for the second goal, obviously it was it was his ball, and it was one of those crosses that just you know you whip it in, and it just causes problems. But what also caused problems was Cavani. I mean, he, his his movement and, and and for that second goal in particular, just, he just struck fear into the uh, Shahir defence. It was like throwing a cat into a room full of pigeons. It was just you know they were all at sixes and sevens. This guy bearing down on them, and he's got real presence. Um, obviously, he's got a huge reputation as well. Um, and it, that I really like that front three. It's great, I isn't it? Like the way it sets up. You know, yeah. Martial and Rashford will do a lot of running on the ball, but Cavani's off the ball work in terms of occupying the defence, especially with the way that second goal happens, is really important and quite useful. I'd be interested to try that out again with Rashford out on the right and Martial on the left, maybe doing a bit of swaps. And Cavani just creates space, doesn't he? Well, in fact, they all create space for each other because they. As long as they're all moving, because that's I think it can be a real frustration with Martial when he's as a striker is his movement or lack thereof. You know when he's sort of in the mood. You know he frustrated me at the weekend against West Brom, Martial, and he frustrated me a little bit towards at the beginning of last season. I think he's a fantastic player. He was there for his debut. He was there in Wembley when he scored the last minute winner against Everton in the FA Cup semi final. I love him and I want him to, to be as good as he can be. I just don't see it all the time. And I think, you know, he needs to, I know loads of people are saying this at the moment, but he needs to he needs to watch a player like Cavani's movement and hopefully Cavani's um, attitude, I guess, will, will, will rub off on him. And, and not just attitude, but his, his incredible experience will rub off on Martial. And Rashford as well, because his movement tonight was it, it was just it was made it makes such a massive difference, and his hold up play mm. as well. No, absolutely, another really encouraging aspect of that was the build up play for the third goal. Um, it's just simple stuff. Victor Lindelof with a really great ball up to Rashford. He was just on the arm of the halfway line, goes straight through really wisely waits when he realises he's too sharp on from goal to get a really decent shot on yeah, invites the contact it? from Bolingoli and it's a clear penalty he basically barges into him and Rashford's ready for the contact takes it and goes down you know it's a pretty straightforward penalty and I thought David Beckham would come on with that Lindelof pass it was unbelievable <laughs> yeah it wasn't bad was it uh, Fernandez described the reason he gave the penalty away was because he missed the one the initial penalty against West Brom oh, really? so he agreed with Rashford that he would give him the next one. Oh, no way Ooh, so that I and guess I see that, it pays to be mean... watching BT Sport before we record <laughs> so that means I presume that Rashford is our penalty taker now no 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 I'm guessing they're just going to change it up every now and then I would imagine that just purely because Bruno was frustrated with himself uh, they, between the two of them they normally sort of switch it around I mean Martial's taken penalties whilst Fernandez has been at the club as well so I don't necessarily think it needs to stick with one player I know there's me just thinking he was just being a nice guy no 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 it's because he probably felt really annoyed with himself <laughs> for Saturday's initial debacle but there we go I mean you know he would have been very well uh, what's the word I'm searching for he would have fully deserved a hat trick had he been able to nail it absolutely but no I, I mean then the second half came along and I would feel a bit more frustrated if United had conceded a second and maybe Which thrown the game away. Ooh, it got a little ah, bit hairy. Um, I guess the comforting thing is United didn't necessarily look odds-on to concede until that free kick, and that yeah. was when the game shifted. 
somewhat significantly for at least a good sort of 10 minutes or so. It's that brittleness, isn't it, again? Yeah, I mean, to Batak Sahir's credit, you know, especially in the first half, we seemed on a mission to give Demba Bar space to score. And again, I'm all right with that because it's Demba Bar and he (laughs) deserves a knighthood for services to football. But the way that the second half got away from us to for at least about 10 minutes or so and we were struggling to get out of the press, that was concerning. And the reason that that happened, at least from my perspective, was that, you know, Solskjaer rightly decided to make a bunch of changes because how many games are you going to get in this current run where we're 3-0 up coasting at half time you go into the hour mark you're yeah. thinking well these players are probably going to have to play again in five, four or five days time so I won't give them a bit of a rest you know, uh, Rashford came off Fernandes came off Martial came off not long after that I don't think it was the worst decision in the world I think the problem comes then is that he didn't necessarily have the players to then manage what was left of the game once it turned you know, the the Turek free kick as well. I mean, I looked at that and thought De Gea probably should have done a little bit better. Having seen it again, the fact that it's very, it's come inches away from clipping the post initially. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty well struck. I guess it, it just was. wasn't particularly high, I think, was the only worry I had for De Gea on that front. But it was struck very well and over the wall and just curling in that near left post. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. In real time, I, I was thinking... That's a that's a bit of a howler, but it was it was a very very good free kick. I'm not sure. I think if 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 you know anyone who sort of gets on De Gea's back about that one, you know, it's probably going a little bit far, really. But it was just a, I think it was more than anything. It was just a very very well struck free kick, and the worrying thing was the reaction to conceding that goal because three nil, you shouldn't have any problems at three nil. You know what I mean? It's not the, the old saying isn't oh yeah three nil is a dangerous score. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's, it's just, it's just not. It shouldn't be, and yet they get that one goal. We still got a two goal cushion, and we were all over the place for ten minutes. Like it's mm. completely at sea. They hit the bar. Um, they had a couple of other. Yeah, Visca's shot was a a beauty. Mm. Um, so that's a worry, and and, and I'm not sure what's happened to our defence because. I mean, we weren't. The defense wasn't. It wasn't like it was incredible last season. We had we had a fairly decent defensive record last season, but we we were making mistakes and getting away with it every now and then. But I don't know, this season, we just look, yeah, all over the show, it's, and it's worrying. It's, I don't know what it is. I mean, there's something to be said over the last several years that we've seen a variation on this lack of form or misunderstanding or lack of awareness lack of or trust in each other yeah and authority and everything yeah it doesn't really fill me with confidence and i don't know whether it's an absence of a personality who's going to be there to organize that defense but that's what mcguire was bought for Oh, exactly. I mean, I, 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 there was a point where uh, Darren Fletcher and Robbie Savage were noting that the coaches on the side were trying to tell Maguire what to do on a couple of occasions because he wasn't, he wasn't occupying the correct space. I heard that. I heard, and, I heard a coach, I don't know who it was, but I heard someone shout at one point, I, I think it was, it was basically sort, sort it out, Maguire, or Harry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, well, yeah. Do well. I mean, he's got this persona of being the big, commanding, combative, no-nonsense English defender, but I don't necessarily think that's right. You know, he is all right in the air, but if we're talking about being, you know, 
blood and guts glory all over the shop i don't really see that from him not in a united shirt anyway not consistently enough no i think he's very last ditch it's not phil jones level last ditch but a lot of what he does is is kind of um yeah last ditch you know it's kind of like a lot of it's sort of making up for poor positioning or being a bit slow or not reading it or whatever um, well, the perfect example is tonight, you know, when Lindelof comes off for Tuan Zebe. Now, Axel had a fantastic game against PSG at the start of this tournament, but yeah. at an awful game in Istanbul mm. three weeks ago. If he comes on in a game like this, even if it is 3-0, there is an element that the captain slash senior centre-back in this team should be able to lead uh, a younger player through this game, point out where he should be standing Give him some encouragement and try and lead him through that second half. And I don't get that. Do you? Because no. I really didn't feel it at all Not going at all, through no. that game. That he was... It didn't, doesn't, I don't think it's hand-holding, but it's just an awareness and a control of what's going on in and around him. And I don't really get that from Maguire when he plays. Not consistently enough, anyway. Because he, like, Axel was obviously taken off. I think it was at half time in in the um, away game. That probably means his his confidence is going to be a little bit low. So you, you do look to Maguire, you do look to your captain to sort of guide him a little bit and encourage him. And, and yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't really see that with Maguire. I, I, I like Maguire. Um, I think he gets a, a, a lot of too much criticism. I think he did improve our defence last season, but something's happened whether it's what happened over the summer or what, I don't know what. Something's happened um, to him this season and, and he's just, oh, he, he's not convincing me at all, really. No, no, I think it definitely shows up in, in moments like this where we are under pressure. And That's when you need him to, to be a leader, isn't it? That's when you need him to, to step up. Well, just to slow things down. Yeah. Just that ability just to control the flow of the game if it's moving maybe maybe that's the wrong term because perhaps obviously you expect that more from midfielder from a from a defensive position you want him to be able to lead his back four through a tricky period and be calm control no 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 and that is a worry going forward and especially with Lindelof still struggling with this back issue that we've heard he had trouble with during the last international break by coming back from injury and Axel having a performance like that ahead of two Fairly big games. Well, he's you know, out, isn't form, he? He's uh, out Southampton PSG. and PSG. He's out. Yeah. So, oh God, yeah. Because I forgot about that. Yeah. That makes it all the more fun. Uh, that game in a week's time is gonna be fun, is it not? But before we uh, have a couple more stray observations, uh, one wonderful way to round off the evening's work. Fourth goal supplied by Mason Greenwood. Nice little finish for Dan James. Um, now we spoke a little bit about his performance for Wales. Yes, uh, it was some form of context. He was playing against uh, 10 men Finland for 80 minutes, but he did play very well for Wales last week. Scored an absolutely stonking good goal and set up key for more for Wales' third with a great cross from the left-hand side. But even taking that out of the equation, I thought he played quite well tonight. And I'm did. conscious about um, overdoing it on these sort of instances because you know we as a matter of course when we're talking about footballers and football performances there's a tendency to come down too hard when things are looking a bit rough or praise too much when things are looking great but I think from that position from that half hour or so I was encouraged by what I saw I thought he linked up quite well with Greenwood and Cavani I thought the way he took his goal he just waited for uh, Gunku to commit 
which I thought was the right decision. And especially when he's... Because he hasn't scored in a meaningful game I think it's, for quite some time. Yeah, 47 games or something, isn't it? Yeah, his last goal for us was in the Europa League. Um, and that was against LASK. So... Mm. It's definitely been some time, so that you could easily imagine a situation where he fluffs his lines or just gets a little bit of a rush of blood to the head or doesn't show his composure there, but I thought he dealt with that quite well. Yeah, I thought he played really well as well, and I was so happy for him. I've been, I've, I've criticised him, I think I think it, people have been very hard on him. He was bought last, the summer before last, basically as a squad player, I think, as a, as a player who needed... You know, a bit of a rough diamond who, who needed who needed sharpening up and and coaching to become hopefully to fulfil the potential that Solskjaer and, and United scouts saw in him. And still a long way to go, but yeah, really encouraging. It'll do his confidence the world of good. Um, and I, I, again, I mean, you know, just to 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 go back to to praise Van der Beek again. It was for me, it was him that's. I mean, it was him that started the second the movement for the second goal with a lovely little no-look pass. And then it was him again for that fourth goal. Just a perfectly weighted pass again for Greenwood. And Greenwood's delivery, uh, little cross was fantastic as well. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Took really, two touches, looked yeah. up, great ball in. Again, perfectly weighted. And yeah, Dan James took it really well. Um, dead happy for him. You know, you really want a player like Dan James to, to kick on. And there was some talk recently about him leaving the club and he's um, said that he's, he's determined to make it work, which, you know, fair play to him. And, and I hope it does. Well, yeah, I mean, Dan James playing well and being happy only benefits Manchester United. Yeah. And at a point where we're going to be playing football so constantly over the next six plus months, not even mentioning the Euros at the end of this season, oh, man. you want him to be confident and you want him to be playing well because yeah. that means that we don't have to flog Martial or Rashford constantly. So, yeah, by all means, let's let's see him continue to have effective performances like that. I'm not suggesting he's going to be starting week in, week out, because that's just not a thing that's going to happen. But the more he can play effectively like that, it, it'll, be, it'll be better for his confidence and it'll be better for the club and the manager as a result. So by all means, more of that, please. Yeah. A couple of straight observations. Nice to have Raphael back at United. You know, yeah. there's definitely an element with... Uh, <laughs> how difficult life at right back has been for United <laughs> since 2016, I think it was, when yeah, he left the club. Yeah, it was Van Gaal, wasn't it? So, yeah, the thing, the, there's perhaps an element that we have overdone his abilities in that position purely because we haven't seen anyone with the guts to actually attack or the effectiveness to actually attack down that right flank uh, in the same way since. But I think also, you know, he's a lad that just obviously clearly loves the club. So it was yeah. nice to have him back. And a bit of a shame that no one was there to see it, really. Another straight observation. It was weird. It's still weird to see Martin Skirtle with hair. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, Has he been intentionally bold during his time at Liverpool? Yeah. Well, it was... Why? He, he was cultivating the thug image, wasn't he? You know, the hard, I mean, the hard, the hard man at the back image. Uh, when he's, he I, I don't think he look. is. I don't think he is, or ever was, really that hard. He was just a, a dirty prick, bit of a weasel. Yeah, you know, weasels have bad reputations for a reason. For yeah. a weasel. Oh, oh, you see, he didn't do it, so I had to. <laughs> but no, I mean that leaves United in a very good position uh, 
this evening with Group H. Uh, <sighs> four out of six games done now. I mean, we needed to win that game after losing in Turkey. It would have been nicer to have got the victory. And I guess the biggest complaint I have from tonight, and it's a very small one in comparison with how good things were, is that we just didn't play this way or at least get a decent result away because it just would have exactly made these two games. Thinking. It just would have given United such breathing space going into these last two games it would have meant that we could have concentrated a little bit more on the league tried a couple of different things not having to flog the same important players and obviously now we have one point to get from PSG at home next week and then RB Leipzig away in two weeks time I'm nervous Ewan I'm nervous Mm, I'm concerned isn't the right word I think there's an element that PSG coming to play United needing to win essentially to keep their hopes of either finishing second or first alive is a pretty good position for United to be in. Oh, and I think tactically we can certainly look back to that game at Part de Prance uh, earlier on this season and suggest that there's a template there that we could use to get a decent result. It's just whether or not uh, PSG are able to, you know, they've had a weird old season, man. You know, they yeah. started off incredibly badly. It's the same way we did with a couple of dump, uh, bum results. Lost to Monaco 3 2 at the weekend, having been 2 0 up. So they're inconsistent completely. And they played tonight and they were unremarkable, utterly unremarkable to me against RB Leipzig. So I don't, I don't who knows? We, yeah, I don't think we need to be afraid of them, but. Um... Any team that's got Neymar and Mbappe in it, you need to make plans. You need to be aware. And I think tactically, United will... Oli does well in these sort of situations when he knows he's got an attacking force that United have to cope with and he has a counter-attacking plan to compensate for that. So I'm not too worried about that. Mm -hmm. I think if we go into the RB Leipzig game needing to get a result, I'll be concerned. That just takes me back to 2015-2016 when we had two games against, what was it, CSKA and then away at Wolfsburg and what needed to win, drew one, lost the other. Wasn't great. If you'd said to us when when the, the draw was made and we, we came out in, in this group, if we'd been offered this position going into the last two games, we would have taken it. We would have snapped your hands off. Um, oh, and, absolutely, yeah. And yeah. Solskjaer is, is good in these games. You know, he's, he's very, very good in these games. Um, I think we should we, we should be allowed to have fans in Old Trafford against PSG just to abuse the Maria. <laughs> so yeah, I'll write to MP about that. That would be quite nice. Yeah. Yes, a little bit of a die for uh, Neymar's penalty tonight as well. If that helps make the situation any worse. <laughs> um, well, beyond that, uh, you know, United have got a couple of tricky games coming up. Regardless, you know, Southampton with a decent in the end decent point away at Wolves last night in the Premier League and you know they've had a good start to the season I'm not looking forward to that game especially considering that 2-2 draw that we had towards the end of last season we're you always crap what... against Southampton we're years. never really that good yeah I still got the yips about that uh, 6-3 defeat at the Dell to be honest so have I I think you're right in terms of the way the Champions League has opened up for United. Look at the way that you know this group could have gone yeah. and the way that we started the Premier League season. To come away with three wins out of four isn't to be sniffed at, despite the fact that the result, the game that we lost, was certainly not the one we were expecting to do. You would have thought that there's enough quality in that United side to get through these next two games with at least a point. Yeah. So I think there's a... There, 
confidence isn't the right word, but I think we should feel enough in our ability to get the job done here to finish this group off. And who knows what the last 16 is going to look like. So there might not be any benefit to finishing first or second in the group. You know, United have finished first in the group frequently before in the past and got knocked out by Real Madrid. So there we go. What on earth? It doesn't mean anything anymore. I don't think it means anything, does it really? No. As long as United get through it, fantastic. Again, it's one of those situations where if United can just continue to start building a bit more momentum because consistency is going to be so difficult to actually maintain with United you know, especially well, everyone's playing so many games but if United can get momentum going through the squad not necessarily an established starting 11 because that's fanciful there's no way we can keep playing the same players game in game out especially not with the amount of important matches that we have coming up as long as we can just stay steady and solid and start producing performances on this level more consistently then we could be in for a decent season. You know, who knows? It's very difficult to predict. You know, the, the table still looks pretty lopsided at the moment. And part of that is because we're still one game behind. You know, if, if, say if we won that game against Burnley, say we played it, we're four points off top potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, again, not a position that you would turn your nose up at considering how the season actually begun. Yeah. Right. Questions. Uh, Judson Lee, how does the Champions League group finish? Uh, I reckon we get the result against PSG, but we lose in Germany. Would agree with that. And I think as a result, it's us winning the group and then Leipzig Leipzig. second. Yeah, I'll take that all day long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course you'd take it. That's wonderful. Yeah, you twisted my arm. I mean, it would be quite the story if PSG weren't able to qualify. Oh, that'd be so nice, wouldn't it? It'd be so nice. It wouldn't be bad to completely ruin their day. Yeah. Again, at Kroengo, how good was Cavani? We looked so much better with an actual centre forward. Bit of shade on Martial there. Uh, I understand the general tone of it in terms of, a, a you know, Cavani's hold-up play and positioning is a bit better than Martial's. But at the same time, I still very much appreciate what Martial does. Yeah, and so. also I think that having um, Cavani, you can play up front. I think it'd be good, actually it'd be good for Martial because... It's not just rely. We're not just relying on him. You know what I mean. He can go out on the left every now and then, and, and we're not completely relying on him to get us all our, all our goals. So yeah. Uh, another one from Cryango. Uh, please speak about one touch passing in the middle. Van der Beek was good. This is true. Yep. Uh, yeah. That double pivot with Fred and Van der Beek. I think that works quite nicely. I'd be concerned about doing it too often. Yeah. because I do think it leaves us quite open but as was pointed out one of them stays and one of them goes when we're attacking uh, Fred you would imagine is going to be the better one when it comes to interceptions and tackles you know Fred is getting much much better at that but he's not good at passing forward no, he's, he's or not. finding a killer pass neither is Matic and neither is McTominay so if you're going to play van der Beek there then by all means you're going to get more of an attacking mindset or at least a bit more of creativity in midfield than you would do otherwise so I would definitely prefer that double pivot for games like this when we know we're going to be seeing plenty of the ball and potentially trying to break a team down because you you're going to get many more options aren't you You know, you're going to get more opportunities to actually try and find that right pass and players who can actually find that pass which would be great scarred idiot asked early in the season but martial looks off the boil what do you think is the problem is it because of no preseason, or is it just because of our unstructured attacking play I think his season was disrupted by his sending off against Spurs. That combined with the the no preseason won't have helped. But I do think as well he's just quite an inconsistent player. I think he's he's quite a sort of uh, patchy player where, a bit like 
the whole team under Solskjaer, you know, he'll go on a really good run and then he'll go quiet for a while. You know, I, th- I thought... In, in many ways, he kind of best exemplifies United in the post-Ferguson era, doesn't he? He kind of does, Capable yeah. of going on a run shows flashes of absolute brilliance, but inconsistent. Yeah, and I think he's still young, but he's not, you know, he's not that young anymore. And it's kind of like reaching the point with him where a lot of people will start getting really frustrated because... He's coming a bit, coming to an age now where you expect a bit more consistency. I don't know. It's um, again, I really, I love Martial, but he had a fantastic season last season, and I don't think it, the sending off helped at all. You know, I think it's really sort of thrown him, and mm. you know, hopefully over the next few weeks, as his fitness really sort of comes back. Um, we'll start to see the, the proper master emerging. Sure. Daz Greer, would Roy Carroll have saved Istanbul's free kick? Yeah, uh, no, but it would have... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But it would have been ruled out for all time's sake. Yeah, oh God. I'm just thinking back to that goal against Spurs. That was amazing. Thank God. <laughs> Can you imagine? That Hawkeye was not in operation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it pretty much hit the back of the net. That one. I mean, it really did. It I'm surprised no one saw it. I mean, yeah. a lot of us did see it. It was hilarious, and the, and the re- just the just the, the amount that it pissed everyone off. He wasn't a United fan was just like yeah, perfect. I think it was the amount that went in the goal. <laughs> the ball went in the goal. That pissed it was everyone incredible. Tariq Amir, will Victor Lindelof have a back by the time he hit 2021? Remains to be seen. I would say. Uh, yeah, remains to be seen. It's funny, isn't it? Because Lind- I thought Lindelof's been one of our best players recently. Certainly defensive players. Uh, I mean, I think you saw it again tonight. And I, I, again, I do wonder how much of this is down to his back, if it's really causing him so much discomfort. He doesn't get up in the air very well at all. No. You know, when it comes to aerial duels, he's often found wanting. So it's not a new thing. But I wonder if that's just making it worse right now. Yeah. And that's a pretty big thing not to be able to do as a central defender. Especially in the English game. Yeah, I mean, Rio Ferdinand had problems with his back, didn't he? And there, were, there was a season or two when he was really sort of Gary Pallister as well. For any player, it's bad, but for a defender, it can be catastrophic, can't it? So, wish mm-hmm. him all the best, obviously. Yeah, hopefully, hope, hopefully, he makes a speedy recovery. Yeah, well, hopefully, it's not too serious. Also, uh, Tariq mentions Cavani and Tellers looking uh, pretty useful for the most part. El Matador gave Dan James a big hug after the final whistle. I didn't see that. That's lovely. Oh, how sweet. Oh, good. Uh, Jamie at ability underscore PTR. First 50. First 50 minutes are the best I've seen from United this season. Want to see the same starting 11 going for PSG to score qualification? Mm, I would think we'll go back to a similar system to that three-five-two we yeah, saw in uh, Paris. I I just don't think. Yeah, I I can't see Oli jumping in with that same midfield duo as we saw tonight. There's just no way he's going to chuck Fred and Van der Beek into that game. No, because I I, the thing is as well, we don't need to win the game. I, Oli's not going to tr- go out there to try and draw the game, but he's certainly not going to risk sort of losing it. So. I think it's. I could, I could be wrong, but I, I would imagine he'll go back to his sort of tried and trusted duo of McTominay and Fred, who do work very well together in those massive games. Like they, they genuinely mm. do. So that would be my expectation. Sure. I mean, benefit of using the two of them in a game like this is that they're so good at winning the ball back and passing it off to someone who can actually use it well mm. you know they're not going to run with it too often fred is necessarily going to carry it particularly far and neither is mctominay 
a lot of their running is done off the ball because they're closing down space, closing down players and tackling. And that in a game like this, where you're expecting United not to necessarily dominate possession is really useful. It's just whether or not we can stretch the play enough or get enough counters to really damage PSG. It wasn't too much of a problem in Paris in that first game. But I wonder if Tuchel's going to have a bit more of a plan in place to compensate for that and deal with what United presented in that first match. Because you'd say tactically he is the better of Solskjaer. So it's whether or not he can show enough awareness and try and make some changes that will open the game up a little bit more. You know, the pressure is more on him than it would be on Ole anyway, because PSG have to win that game. United don't. If he doesn't get out of this group, he's gone. Oh, I mean, he could be in real trouble if PSG don't qualify out of this one. Yeah. yeah, RB Leipzig look like they've got a better situation, especially considering they'll be going to pl- they're, they're playing Basaksehir here in the in their next game. So they'll potentially be on let's think nine points by the time if you know it all goes to plan after that fifth round of matches. That's a lot of pressure for PSG on that final game. But there we go. I guess that's all. That's that's a problem for future Euron and Paul. What current Euron and Paul? I think I'm going to head off for the evening. How about that? Yeah. Good to speak to you, mate. It is. It's always nice to speak to you. Thank you. <laughs> right, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, it's much appreciated. Don't forget, you can always find us on Twitter should you wish to talk to us further. You can get me at at you and like this. You can get Paul at paulgunning1 and the podcast at redvoicesmufc. And don't forget, as we keep saying, it's so wonderful if you could consider taking the brief amount of time to check us a rating or a review or a subscription on any of the big podcast apps like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Acast or SoundCloud. Anything along those lines is really useful and the reviews help us get seen by more people and hopefully get listened to by more people instead we'll be back probably i'm going to guess after psg next week so have yourselves a fantastic week in the interim and take care of yourselves bye-bye